Hey, DC fans, uh, it's Gary from Baden's Comics. Um, <laughs> I just want to let you know that uh, Burton's Comics is open and ready to serve you in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, down 725 Barton Street East. Um, coming for some deals on the weekend. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> nice, we got to do it twice. My name is Clowny J, and I am the Arnold Schwarzenegger of Mr. Freeze Puns, and I am joined to you by the Jim Carrey madness of the Riddler. He is the Mize. Zibbledy dobbledy doom here to drop those ill lyrics about that there movie we're going to be watching today, the SOB, the beginning point of Damian Wayne's entry into the new line of DC animated features. We are currently speaking of the pom pom the son of Batman. Of course, and uh, we will jump into that in just a few moments. Uh, let's start off as we always do. How you doing, my friend? I can't complain. Recent rainstorm came along last night, and it washed away my hard-drawn vein walkie-chalkie. And you know what? That just means I get to do it again. So, you know, big news on that part. Aside from that, nothing too exciting. Just trying to stay positive in this worldly mess. How about yourself? How you been holding? Uh, none too shabby. Got that new Funko ordered. Of course, we did end up ordering the Wonder Woman as Star Sapphire Funko Pop, so that'll be shipped to us shortly for the uh, Lantern shelves. I may have to do some rearranging. The CW-verse may have to go away for a while because it looks like I might need a second Lantern shelf, uh, one just for the different Spectrum people. Well, good sir, that doesn't necessarily mean that those pops have to go away. It just means you got to get a new shelf sooner. Very true, very true. But until the meantime, we will see what happens on that front. Uh, of course, Devastator update, no update yet. Of course, he's being shipped from Australia, so I'm not expecting him anytime soon. No, uh, it, it might take a little bit, but uh, I'm sure they appreciate your empathy and overall understanding about just how restrictions are working in regards to delivery or you know pickup purposes. Whatever the case is, uh, and of course, they're going to want to take those careful steps. I, for one, have been grateful ordering online recently. Any extra steps they take to be safe, checking things out, you know, and uh, setting them along as safe as possible. I'm a happy guy. Exactly. And uh, speaking of things that get shipped and picked up, uh, have you picked up this week's pull list yet today? And uh, what pull list would that consist of? The books that you pick up every week to tell us what Mize is reading this week. It's a good thing you told that to them. They might not have known. Uh, the the uh, books that I ended up getting were uh, Justice League Volume 4, The Sixth Dimension, whereas uh, the Justice League um, run into a familiar face, uh, Mr. Mixius Pidlick, uh, the fifth dimensional imp that plagues Superman on a daily constants and also known as one of the most powerful entities in the DC multiverse. Um, in which case things are thrown for a loop and uh, he's uh, under some form of evil control and turned on, you know, the earth one, the earth prime world as we know it. And uh, we get even deeper into the multiverse where as like uh, Jay had mentioned beforehand about, um, you know, all the different white lanterns and everything. This Justice League variation had Jon Stewart as a white lantern. Uh, older, bald with goatee, but uh, he managed to overcome the ultraviolet spectrum and, uh, you know, obtain his place as the white lantern, I guess, of uh, Sector 2814, or just the white lantern in general. 
But uh, overall, uh, the villains took a nasty twist and thus started the year of the villain. And uh, that actually uh, helped me jump into another book that I recently picked up, the first part, The City of Bane. The Batman title is really good. It continues on with the continuous torment of the Bane, Thomas Wayne, and any um, B-list uh, villains we happen to see along the way hired as city officials. It is absolutely crazy in Gotham, and I cannot wait for the second part to come out for that. Uh, aside from that, I ended up picking up and reading through Deceased. It, I cannot explain what kind of cliffhanger it leaves you on because it is definitely something that leaves you rocking in your chair for more. Excellent. Yeah, I have seen that they are putting out more books in that uh, universe. Uh, I personally can't wait for them to put that out on trade paperback so I can pick that up. Well, I checked out the Indigo site for the release. You're going to be waiting quite a bit into the year, but you know what? It's not like we have much of it left anyway. Exactly. Uh, as for myself, uh, I went through an old box and I found the, you mentioned that you're on a volume four of Justice League. Uh, I've got the Justice League Rebirth book sitting to my right right now, uh, which includes volumes one through seven. Uh, now, that gives, of course, the I think every fan gripe when it comes to DC Comics and the constant renumbering of the books. So you're going back like volume one on Justice League, uh, what, five times now in the past five years? Like, why bother rebirthing or rebooting anything? Um, I remember the Silver Age of a crisis, any kind of crisis whatsoever. And it's either just pick up where things have left on um, such emotional traits and settings and uh, continue on to your next uh, great like crossover or crisis adventure and then possibly continue on to that and maybe once in a blue fucking blink in a red universe would you actually like do um, a reboot of any kind exactly it used to be you know very commonplace that you'd have uh, comic book X uh, issue number 397 uh, nowadays, you're lucky if you get to issue 50 before it gets fucking rebooted on you. Yeah, I don't want issue 1000 to be technically re like recognized as issue 1000. I want issue 1000 to be issue one fucking thousand. Uh, I want that to count up. I want the chapters to keep going up there because, you know, you don't read a book for three chapters and then have to go out and buy a whole new book for another two chapters. It's just ridiculous. It, it truly is. Uh, so I'm glad I'm not the only one with that gripe. Uh, uh, so if you check out Miza's Twitter, at least you can see he started to at least catch up on Stargirl. Uh, yeah, it's been a great, fantastic show. Uh, you guys can find me and my surprise at Mize1987 on Twitter. And uh, my Instagram, uh, One Man Mize, even the hashtag One Man Mize. You can find my fugly face and my Yu-Gi-Oh habits all over. But as Jay was talking about, yeah, just gotten into Stargirl, um, two out of the few episodes in already, and what in the fresh hell is, like, the DC, like, movie versus problem? What yeah. is... Wow. Wow. Luke Wilson, and they actually got the armor down, like, just... Wow. What a creative twist. What a look. I am stupid impressed by this and i'm just simply obsessed with how good luke wilson plays pat not only that you gotta give joel McHale his uh due credit as starman as well oh, big shout out to I joel McHale. That was great. oh man it was better than great i did 
what a twist for Joel McHale in that part, eh? You know, normally such sarcastic comedy and just, you know, down-noting um, visage. And then he can all of a sudden pull this, like, for justice and honor bullshit out of his ass like nothing. Yeah, it's like he was permanently stuck on Jeff Winger giving a speech mode. If that happened at the table at the Justice Society, I would not even care. I would welcome this. Welcome this openly. That would be fantastic. Uh, of course, at the beginning of the first episode, you did see the green flames that I mentioned, uh, which obviously that was the shout out to Alan Scott in that episode, at least. Yes, and we did. I did also see the uh, helmet laying in the rubble of uh, the building, so insinuating towards Jay Garrick, the Flash. Um, I can yeah, only. Assume... I, didn't tell you how... I, I purposely kayfabe that from you. Well, I'm certainly happy you did. You have no idea how much I appreciated that surprise. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, the Alan Scott flames were beautiful. Uh, if you want cool Easter eggs, sir, you just wait until you get to episode three, uh, titled Icicle. Uh, I did our the girly squeal with the hands flapping in front of the face thing. Now, on a scale of one to Heineken hands, where are you sitting at? Uh, we've gone full-blown Guinness. Okay, so you're like... A- like slightly more powerful than a guy who slaps his balls on the table to pay for his meal at a Chinese restaurant and uh, just That's underneath right. demigodhood. That's right. Fantastic. Just absolutely fantastic. And tell me you didn't feel the same way when Grundy fucking comes up to the cage door oh. and he just, he just looks like eight feet of monstrous, like likeness towards the comic look just from what we've seen so far it's a lot closer than what we got in gotham i'm not ungrateful for the gotham uh, interpretation of it i just am super stoked about this one is all yeah i thought that grundy was something that the arrowverse completely slept on uh of course in uh arrow itself season two or three uh cyrus gold was a character and they had john diggle find the Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday poem. <clears throat> Excuse me. But that was before, and, you know, they put him in Slaughter's Swamp once he was killed, the character. Uh, I always thought that once that particle accelerator blew up on the Flash, it would have been a great opportunity to have well, Grundy come back as a character. Well, Solomon Grundy actually played a huge role in general to uh, various Green Lantern-style arcs um, because those that were in touch with the Green uh, of that said universe, um, you know, was affected, could be detected by like life itself pretty much. Whereas Solomon Grundy's little accident is quite exactly the opposite. So it's a newfound man-made-ish force that is somehow disrupts to the green in that universe. Yeah, very uh, 52 Earth 2 with that kind of take on it instead of going for, you know, possibly the Starheart uh, explanation for, for the Lantern. Yeah, and what would be wrong with at least adding Alan Scott into the mix? He could just be that wise old dude that makes random appearances. Yeah, he could just have his television conglomerate like he did at the end of uh, the Silver Age books. Arrowverse can have Cord Industries. I don't see why we can't get this much. 
So let, uh, when it comes to DC television, um, have you heard the latest Batwoman rumor that's floating around? I want to get your take on this. Are you talking about the um, discussion of role regarding um, Ruby Rose's exit of the role? Yeah, and uh, the story that they're not going to recast Kate Kane and that they want to introduce a brand new original character to take up the mantle of Batwoman. That would be a very innovative idea because Batwoman is, um, you know, Batwoman. Uh, we clearly see the style that she has, the model, the model that she follows. Um, so I can only imagine if they base a character roughly in that similarity, then you're not really doing all that much except for adding more to what they're giving us already. Yeah, I just don't see how they would logically do that the way they left off the season. If they could at least, um, if they could at least keep for, for maybe an episode into a new series like that, or into a new season like that, and then all of a sudden you're jumping years ahead into what you can actually spring, uh, like a spinoff comic into. Um, you can do like an in between the beyond timeline and in between the present time of what you know Batwoman or whoever has the mantle of Batwoman is doing, which could add really nifty creative twists for certain villains and where they step in or how they tend to take over certain aspects of things. And you can still have bigger names um, be part of it just to really keep that classic Batman um, fan base drawn in. Um, you could have that, you could add a new audience and then you could just have people talking constantly more about the dark Knight, drawing into the deceivers. And that, that's what people will end up wanting more of in the long run is something to talk about regarding Batman. However, uh, are you aware that you just pitched the Green Arrow and the Black Canaries television show that's yet to be officially picked up? Yeah, get the fuck out of here, really. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's Oliver Queen's daughter in the future as the new Green Arrow. Dang it, and it sounded so cool. Oh. Yeah, and apparently, yeah, you know, uh, Laurel and Dinah Drake were both going to be on the show with her, like starting the Black Canary gang and all that. So I think that was just essentially a TV show that they didn't pick up. All right. If anybody asks, it's my idea. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, kudos to them for thinking of um, that kind of thing then, because I could do for any, you know, urban-based vigilante story arc, um, however they want to go. Uh, the question's a good way to swing into it. And um, other ones, uh, such as Green Arrow and Black Canary, Wildcat, uh, as you've seen on um, Star Girl already, or even the Arrowverse one, however you want to play it. Yeah, what I wouldn't mind is, uh, constantly when I'm watching Batwoman, I always think, uh, I'm horrible with character names, her ex on the show, uh, not... Not Alfred's uh, daughter, but the one that's the cop. Uh, I, I always thought that role. Was... Yeah, I always thought that that role was originally written to be Renee Montoya. It would it would be nice to see you know the first young Renee Montoya since the Nolan trilogy. Exactly, and then they could have developed her to become the female question. 
Yes, because when we're first introduced to um, Renee Montoya, she's not fucking ancient years old. No. Madness. What's her name, Donna? Sophie. Sophie on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I got little one doing fact checking for me on her tablet uh, tonight. Good stuff. It's important to have there. All the facts and uh, oh, also a fun fact there um, with the whole uh, Watchmen inclusion into uh, DC Comics mainstream universe, we ended up seeing like a Justice League investigation, like one of the different multiverse ones. And uh, there was a reference made to having questions and uh, just a reply from it was just a sheer, you know, and um, just by the look of it, that wasn't no, that wasn't no Victor. That wasn't no Renee. I'm fairly certain it was a Rorschach variant. Which is awesome because if you go back to the Charleston comics, there was actually a run where Vic Sage read Watchmen and tried to get more aggressive because he was inspired by Rorschach, which in turn is even funnier because Rorschach was only created because Neil Gaiman was told he couldn't use the Charleston DC characters, including question for that role. Oh, well, happy accidents. Yeah, of course, uh, anyone that knows the original Watchmen story, uh, those characters were actually intended to be the uh, mostly Charleston Comics characters. Uh, Blue Beetle was supposed to be Night Owl. Uh, Black Canary, I believe, was supposed to be Silk Spectre. I can only... Roshack, of course. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, I was pretty much... Yeah, Roshack, Dr. Uh, Dr. Manhattan was going to be Captain Adam. And that was another one I was thinking of as well because it's the closest interpretation they got. Yeah, so then uh, Neil Gaiman was told, no, you can't have the rights to these characters. Then he just flipped them and we got the Watchmen characters that we now have. Huh. In the same universe denied earlier. Weird. Exactly, so it's kind, of, it's kind of fun to see everything coming full circle that way. <laughs> Yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, of course, you know, uh, what did you think of the Watchmen TV show? Did you did you get through everything, all of it? No, I didn't have a, an immediate platform for it at the time there. Um, I, the device I have uh, isn't capable of just, like, you know, pirating stuff or letting me go on to uh, the American-based apps that, you know, you would normally have to pay for. So uh, I end up relying just on Canadian sources online, really. Use the website that I sent you for Stargirl to look for Watchmen. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, it'll play on your PlayStation for you. Oh, fantastic. All right. That, that's how we watch everything, right? Why the hell not? All right, I'll give you a yeah, it's, uh, you know, only one season. Uh, if you want any kind of preview of what season two would have been, you just got to turn on the news these days. <laughs> uh, I got that reference. I got that reference. Excellent. So, uh, shall we, is there anything left before we jump in and talk about Son of Batman? Uh, yeah, just a minor difference between the comic and the movie. Um, the, the movie, like a lot of the different animated features, will have taken a completely different twist and uh, go different from like any original story arc. It gives them uh, option and flexibility to...
Okay, so we just dropped the call with Mize, probably due to bad weather or internet connection, but that's okay. We will be right back with him. Okay, we are reconnected, of course, as we said in the buffer. Somehow the call dropped. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Mize, you were just starting to explain the difference between the comic and the animated feature that we are about to discuss. Yeah, thanks again for bearing with us. And uh, as I was making mention of, there was an option of flexibility uh, available to them by making these newer stories. So by doing that, as opposed to uh, opening up as how the comic did, which was pretty much a... Uh, random battle between um, Batman and Gordon against the Joker. Uh, Gordon got a taste of the, you know, toxin, fell down to what was seemingly his doom. And when he fell along a, a fake Batman, he shot the Joker in the face and the real Batman came out and helped stop things over. And then it would lead into the opening that we would see in the movie from that point. Uh, they just chose not to add that kind of opening. Instead, they went with the whole opening up and, um, the temple where the League of Assassins was training, um, where Razal Ghoul, you know, lay his head and had the Lazarus pit at. I thought that was a pretty good. Yeah. Uh, first thing I want to say off the top of my head is nobody bothered to correct me when I got all my hopes up thinking the Court of Owls was going to appear in this one. Uh, they don't appear until Batman versus Robin, a few films down the line. So that's on me. I'll take a stupid smack for that one, and I'll make sure Shauna gives it to me later. Giggity. Nice. However, uh, let's talk about that intro. This is actually one of the better, I think, story intros that they've done in the film so far because it's actually establishing some characters, who they are, and their relationship to each other. They're important for the rest of the story. Yeah, it is important to come across that kind of reference. Uh, it makes you actually empathize with Damien and his bloodlust when. Go ahead, give your comments. Don't just mumble under your breath. I just said he was a dumb kid. She's saying he's just a dumb kid. I'm. I'm saying I can relate to that kind of anger. You know, if, if you lo lost everything by these ninja assassins that come and take your family away from you. Uh, foundation point uh, as a... Exactly. So we're starting to see why Damien is as angry as he is. Uh, I thought it was funny that the, the machine gun assassins that are attacking already have the Deathstroke skull logo of the split mask when he hasn't even lost the eye yet. Yeah, I thought that was pretty weird. I don't know why they would have a ball. Uh, even yeah, even Deathstroke himself had that mask already. We'll get out of town, eh? So, you know, obviously we uh, can put together that these uh, machine gun assassins are ones that fell out from the league, now working for Slade. Yeah. And, uh, well, they they hit them hard. Like, I did not think the League of Assassins could be caught by surprise like that. Oh, they're caught by surprise by some of their own. 
Uh, the thing that caught me by surprise was they actually let, you know, the guy's been alive and killed for 500 years, and we're supposed to believe that a single fireball could take down the great Rayshon Bull. At least the mortal vessel, as one would put it. Um, the essence of Razal Ghul may not be able to perish on its own, but the body, of course, is one thing. He was immortal, not invincible. Uh, so in the comics, they had actually put out um, like a, an arc for uh, Razal Ghul that uh, he could inhabit host bodies so long as uh, they give their soul up, basically dying, so that it empties the vessel for him to fill that void with. Right, but as we know from being comic book readers, if they were to have dumped him in, the body would have healed a la Jason Todd. Oh, yeah. Or for Arrow fans, even Sarah Lance. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, what are you just standing there for? Like, it it takes two seconds and what? It's going to hurt for like a millisecond of that period since he's going to come out raging and all healed up anyway. That just seemed kind of negligent. So, uh, yeah, uh, Obviously, that's some kind of mind control manipulation on Talia's part to not tell Damien everything. Yeah, because it became rather apparent that Talia wanted to use Damien as a a means to control the League of Assassins, of course. uh, Further explained on both comics and animated features, of course. All right, so from there, uh, you know, uh, she says, you know, time to go to Gotham. Let's get going. And we cut into Gotham in what I think is a great casting choice, great character choice for this. You have Fred Tadascore playing Killer Croc. Um, Fred has made a name for himself as a various uh, Hulk roles in animated features um, from like pretty much the very beginning. Uh, he would do roles like that. I'm fairly certain he is the character known as Soldier 76 in uh, the Blizzard hit game Overwatch. Um, he also does other um, various like uh, side supporting roles as well. And just how he manages to fluctuate his voice is incredible. Yeah, it was really, and even just as, you know, what, something I'll complain about throughout these films are characters being introduced and never really seen or paid off from again. Uh, When it comes to using Batman's rogues galleries, I actually think it's a good use of them. So you can establish Batman as a character and a crime fighter in the city and using somebody with such an imposing frame as Waylon Jones, I thought was great. Uh, Obviously he's looking for something Oh yeah, he, you know he's got some upgrades, which means he's working for someone. He's rummaging in a science lab. So obviously, you know, Waylon Jones was never the smartest of criminals, although one of the most compassionate. He did get Roy Harper off of heroin. Let's give him that. Uh, he also tended to his uh, alcohol addiction. That's right. He is his sponsor. So, which uh, I think is just really humane of him. I think the only real monster situation about Killer Croc now is just his overall appearance. I mean, unless he's continuing to do, like, cannibal stuff, in that case, Waylon, stop it. Stop it, Stop it. I don't think... Hey, I'm not going to tell you to stop eating cheeseburgers, all right? You don't tell him to stop eating the people down at 36 and You know what, he he is three me's in height and probably ten me's in um, muscle power, so 
Uh, I'm going to let him decide for certain on that one. But I tried. They're probably a good I, idea. Know, I tried. I'll take, I'll take the win. So after uh, we get introduced to Killer Croc and some of Batman's crime fighting and intelligence techniques, uh, let's talk about him and Talia on the boat. Uh, I've only taken one note. Of course, this is the scene where, you know, she's bringing up where they fooled around and they have a child. Uh, I put fooled around in quotations because there's only one way to fucking say this. Talia raped Batman. She purple manned him. She slipped a Mickey in his drink, drugged him, and took advantage of him. Ladies and gentlemen, Talia Al Ghul raped Batman. Well, she seems to be the smartest woman to have been in relation with Bruce Wayne then, because the smartest woman would have clearly gotten in his pants right off the bat, and she's just like, fuck the dinner date shit, let's just jump right into it. Well, I'm going to, but you're going to be asleep. And my other problem with this, you're telling me, Bruce Wayne, Batman, Constantly the smartest man in the room, no matter whom he is sharing a table with. A man that thinks out every situation 37 ways, 37 days before that situation happens, didn't think, hmm, maybe I should get a vasectomy. (laughs) It would be considered, but his relations with Catwoman over the years have really, like, spelled out questions for him as to how the possibility of a family truly can be. Will he stop the war on crime in Gotham and just they just keep bringing us stories and giving us uh, hope that Bruce will one day elude the factor of crime from Gotham City for uh, at least a prolonged like an elongated period of time. Right, but it's not just Catwoman he's banging. He also nails every other model. There's Vicky Dale. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed he did uh, have a vasectomy because he's such a playboy that, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's got this notorious playboy lifestyle and the dude doesn't think to get snipped so he doesn't have a, like a hole poker. <laughs> because apparently his slogan is if you got the juice, come get the Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I want to enter the bat cave. So do I have to watch <laughs> it's a it's a weird well it's that it's a weird mansion especially when there's especially when dick's around yeah and alfred did bring up that bruce is having a sleepover with a 10 year old boy god he did he did and that just really plays on like dark humor aspects and uh, silly jokes and rumors going about over the years as well, which is pretty hilarious. A sleepover? Oh, joy. Looks like you. The fact that Damien wanted to drive popped me. Uh, I do like that it's called back towards later on at the end of the film. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely hilarious. Uh, we're quickly introduced to a scientist. All we're told is at this time is his name is Kirk. And ah, he gets attacked by a ninja. Yeah, ninja tech. 
He does. It's simply uh, out of the blue from the area he was working along because he had figured that maybe his daughter was right. He'd been working too much. He should join his family for a meal. So he ended up taking off and in the hallway, that's when the ninja snuck up and uh, beat him down, grabbed him. And uh, that was pretty much all there was to the consciousness of Kirk there. We're then brought into the uh, bat cave and, you know, when Damien meets Batman for the first time on the boat, he goes, I thought you'd be taller. Uh, then he looks around the Batcave and says, I thought it'd be bigger. This short dude has a real size issue. He does, but he's grown up in the same large landmass uh, of the League of Assassins for his entire life. You know, 10 years, 12 years, 8 years, whatever the case is for him, really. I did like the foreshadowing of showing the pixie boots original Robin suit with him in the reflection. Whether he was gay. Yeah, and then questioning Dick Grayson's sexuality. I, I was just about to say, you know, whether whether he's there or not, Dick gets roasted. Like, yeah. Uh, Someone he's laying in bed with, like Corey or some, or Barb, and just he rolled over and just. Both or both, if he's lucky, and just grabbed his chest and went, ow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, I got to get that obligatory WB cartoon in when Alfred's showing him his room. Oh, my God, yeah. Alfred very it makes me wonder, who do you think that uh, Alfred thought was the most annoying upon, you know, primary introduction between Damian Wayne and the Ninja Turtle Michelangelo. Hmm. I'm going to say Damian because at that point he had already been Grayson's teenage phase. Alright, for some reason the call dropped again. We will reconnect with Mize I have no idea what's going on with the connection tonight, but I do apologize. I have no idea what the fuck's happening with that dropped call there. <laughs> I no I no idea either. I'm I'm strongly connected and everything like that. It uh just might be after effect from the storm, I'm guessing. Quite possibly. Yeah, plus, uh, I'm on my data as well just to make sure we have a strong connection because, of course, I've got that small town internet, right? That's balls. So from uh, the introduction and watching them cartoons, we see that this Batman uh, does something that they never truly did properly in at least the Nolan films. Uh, not even really much in the uh, the Snyderverse films. Batman's got some brains. You see him putting things together like a puzzle as he's starting to figure out what's going on with Kirk Langstrom. Yeah, it was a very... Uh, yeah, it was a very swift um, uh, realization for him. And uh, it's really good timing and a really good show of the Batman's intelligence overall. Uh, then we're seeing the next morning the uh, the lawn maintenance crew is going to be pissed. Oh, man. The gardener's going to be so mad. Oh, they aren't even hiring them on this time around. Apparently, when the garden needed a trim, it just went full army buzz cut. Apparently, that's what it loosely translates to is instead of, you know, trimming up the hedges, it just cut it to fucking hell. 
Yeah, Damien had no respect for that artwork that was crafted. Uh, but of course, Bruce being the creepy man he can be sometimes, does see another young child he can weaponize. Absolutely. Even if he is taking it out on thousands of dollars worth of shrubbery work. Uh, we do uh, then see him going to his day job as uh, the head of Wayne Enterprises. I did like the LexCorp shout out that they're trying to buy some property from under Bruce's nose. Yeah, which was a pretty bold business move. Um, apparently, uh, Wayne Tech and LexCorp had a, like a long-standing business rivalry. Uh, on occasion, would the offer come up for them to you know, come together on a partnership or a custom project or anything? But, um, you know, gargantuan rivals for certain. Uh, we then see that Damien has snuck into the office. He makes some allegations about one of the uh, financial advisors skimming money off the top. Which I thought was uh, just kind of an adorable add-in for that. Um, just to see this 10-year-old kid just flat-out just send you right to the shadow realm. And it just completely puts you down and puts you up for investigation at that point. Hilarious. Bruce then grounds him and sends him home. Not because of what he did. Not because of sneaking out. Because he touched the fucking back computer. <laughs> the reaction time for that was so good because he had made mention that, wait, he touched my special crime machine. Oh, fuck <laughs> no. No, no. Oh, this is father time, son. And, um... Dick Grayson is front row and center for this, and he loves every bit of it. Oh, so from there, we get a quick shot into the Alps where the ninjas are attacking. Uh, what I wrote down here is even in the snow, Tally Al Ghul's got to get them titties out. Right. Hey, man, you go where the perk is strongest. Uh, we then cut to Arkham Asylum. Uh, we get a couple of nice little Easter eggs. Uh, I call them Easter Absolutely. eggs because I believe that's all we ever see of them in the entire universe throughout all of these films. We never see these men again. Well, well, Two-Face, uh, I think, shows up once. Yeah, Two-Face is the one that shows up like as a face. The Joker shows up as a silhouette, and uh, the echo of his laugh is heard throughout the... Like the cell that he's in excuse me yeah i believe two-face shows up in a film later on down the line uh joker we never truly see in animated form no i don't no not in this universe we haven't no oh uh, i guess the closest rendition to that would probably be from young justice true which doesn't fit into this universe that's not canon with this world That is true. Well, that's the closest I could get for it. Which also begs me to ask the question. Uh, we never see a true Joker film in this universe. We never see a separate uniform hanging up in a glass case. Does Jason Todd just not exist in this animated universe? That is a, a very interesting question as to what may have happened. Uh, as we see in... Uh, 
in uh, other Batman films, it may be posted up elsewhere in the cave or posted uh, in like a secret compartment as just like that private dark reminder. Very true. And when we're done getting through this universe, uh, I am looking forward to reviewing Batman Under the Red Hood one day. Oh, uh, that probably has to be like the best one off of this uh, cinematic universe. Uh, I'm or the best cinematic universe. I just love John DiMaggio as the Joker. It was fantastic, just so good. But from seeing these cameos, we do uh, get Batman interrogating Killer Croc. Yeah, uh, he gets into the cell where uh, Croc is falling apart and and just doing his best to deal with whatever is painting him. And it seems like since he's coming down from whatever chemical compound he was given, he needs more of it to properly sustain himself or just the shock from everything, the pain from everything could actually kill him. And Batman's offering the opportunity to do it because nobody else... uh, wants to get that close to Killer Croc, they know that, you know, he's going to just rip a hole out of him. So, of course, they're not going to want to go anywhere near him, which presents a real conflict to, you know, settle him down, ease his pain, that kind of thing. It does get uh, largely easier now that Batman has ripped off his... Do you like horror, sci-fi, superheroes, comics, and adventure? SunsetCrypt.com has you covered. With reviews and articles. Two associated podcasts. Hot damn! Topics on a ton of bullshit and all geekery grounds with Crypt Keepers Curtis Sturrock, Steve Brown, and Jeff Smith. SunsetCrypt.com. Only the reader knows what awaits them. Okay, this has got to be a rib at this point. It absolutely has to be. Somebody is out there, and they're like, look out, Mize, I'm just going to fuck with you. And it just keep like disconnecting us. All right, so after Batman rips off Croc's fucking tail, uh, he makes his way to Kirk Langstrom's lab, where the first thing I noticed is it looked like the fucking gargoyles from said TV show were locked up in the cages in the foreground. It did kind of look like that, eh? I thought that was pretty cool. Gorillas with wings. Yeah, and, and then of course there's the gorilla with bat wings. Yeah, he was creepy. <laughs> Flying monkey. Look out, Batman. And then of course... In the flying monkey. Then, of course, Batman does go into true detective mode after a drone drops some bombs on the place. Batman's got to water it down. And just somehow, without even tapping on that L2 button, his detective mode comes on, and he's able to see just a single ninja star in all this rubble. Yeah, absolutely. He's not taken away by the fact that he just got his ass whipped by a flying monkey. But the fact that there's just a random broken piece of a ninja star there, which does lead his um, his path, uh, his current case, like further into the rabbit hole. Which, of course, he brings that ninja star into the back cave and chucks it at his son's head. 
you manages uh, to complement those reflexes, which uh, I got to compliment him as well, you know. And you're with the League of Assassins so long, again, like me mentioned, uh, then, of course, you're going to pick up a few things, uh, including stopping ninja weaponry from flying into your face. Uh, I, I personally really enjoy the dynamic between Damien and Dick and their back and forth. So you enjoyed it when Dick went back and forth. <laughs> I, always. Especially in the back cave, you know? Dick's pretty flexible like that. You know, you gotta make sure the bat pole stays polished, though. No, 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 no. But, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, Dick and times, uh, we have a cut over to um, Ubu, who happens to have a couple of hoes, you know, enjoying the vices that um, the America has to offer. Um, so, of course, when they get in there, uh, one of them ends up closing a window, just, you know, saying that, hey, if you want us to do stuff you want us to do, then it, it can't be so cool in here. And it makes Ubu wonder, it, may, it would make anyone wonder, why did I walk into a room with an open window and in Gotham City that never bodes well? For anybody. No, and you got to think Ubu's done this kind of thing in different cities, uh, which I think is kind of ludicrous because that means he's got hoes in different area codes. <laughs> oh, man. Take a little fear with some addresses. I literally wrote down ludicrous joke. On my notes here, you know, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. Congratulations, Ludacris. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, uh, he's looking around, giving a uh, whoever this alleged intruder is an account of three to come out. Otherwise, he'll start blasting them. And apparently, the numeric system goes one bang, 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 bang. And uh, so, when he looked about and there was nobody there, it was really made him wonder what was going on. Who was it he was dealing with? And coming through the uh, rooftop window is uh, Damian Wayne just breaking into the scene in a badass posture for any child his age. So, yeah, Killer Robin, he kind of takes that over Jason Todd at this point in time. Very much so. They have a brutal fight that, of course, takes them out into the street where the only reason where he doesn't kill him is because he is uh, intercepted by Dick Grayson. Absolutely. And uh, we were looking forward to uh, what would have been probably the most epic fight ever. Um, he pretty much just uh, led on to uh, Batman getting a call from Nightwing saying, hey, what up? Got, got your mailman. And uh, he ended up having to come pick up Damien, but, you know, not without sustaining quite a few licks. Oh, no, it definitely looked like uh, it would have been an epic fight scene had they decided to show it. Yeah, that would have been absolutely... A short film that's included with the DVD. Which short film is that? Uh, Damien versus Nightwing. Oh, Uh, I uh, I wasn't aware of that before. Yeah, they've got a short film of it somewhere that they put out. Well, let me go look for Find it. That sounds absolutely fantastic. I'll, I will have to watch that then. So uh, From there we see Batman. Yeah, Batman decides, okay, Damien 
uh, if you won't sit out of it, I guess it's better that I help mold you in the right direction. And he gets his own version of uh, the Robin suit, uh, which you can see little nods to different Robins in it. The yellow liner black cape, uh, as well as pants, but now they're black instead of red. Absolutely. Um, so there was a call out to a couple of different Robins that uh, Damien stood out primarily because he well, simply donned the Robin over top of what he was wearing already and just kind of changed the color of his uh, boots and gloves. Exactly. So it just kind of worked aesthetically to put together a nice little new look for him. Yeah, just something fast. You know, it doesn't have to be too flashy in a Robin outfit. And, And of course, it's fitting that their first mission brings them to the amusement mile of Gotham. Absolutely. Um, that's, uh, not without having that, uh, you know, casual on the roof meeting with Jim Gordon that almost gives him a heart attack every time. Just of course, uh, but uh, th- that is quickly glossed over as they go to the amusement mile. What I, the thing I got to bring up here when there's fighting the ninjas inside the stadium, like just the straight up ninjas. Yep. Damien uses the wrestling move, the Judas effect elbow on one of them. Probably because it's an effective killing maneuver to those guys. Just thought that I would bring it up because I thought it was quite funny. It's it's one of the clips that Deathstroke rewatches later on too. (laughs) Just imagine, (laughs) Deathstroke is a Jericho fan. Hey, Andrade was doing it first. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, that man. Uh, in case you don't know, folks, is a WWE superstar who should never get a microphone again. He sounds he's so good in the room. He's so funny. Uh, same with uh, same with Angel Garza. Holy cow! Like Angel, no, stop it, Angel Garza. <laughs> But, uh, you know, speaking of high flyers, the next thing that we do get introduced to are Ninja Bats. Which is uh, absolutely fantastic that they would um, recreate a man bat in this fashion. At a, I really wish to have seen a bat using, like, ninja spin kicks and all this jazz and not just flying and barreling towards people like man bat does. I mean, if that were the case, just fucking use man bat. Very use normal people for man bats, even you could have yeah. had different sized man bats in Justice League War. They kidnapped just random people to turn into uh parademons. Why the fuck couldn't you do that for them? Uh, from there, we do get some father son bonding as Bruce starts to relate his experiences towards Damien. Uh, absolutely. They both discuss uh, equally about their own shared experiences growing up um, without proper uh, parenting to guide them. Bruce at least having um, a taste of it up until the fateful evening where Thomas and Martha were taken away from him. Then uh, Damien goes on about how he never had any of that all of his life. And it was such a shame that neither of them even knew about each other um, 
should Bruce have taken a different path? Would we have seen various Batman events still go down? Uh, would Bruce have made different decisions based off of, uh, his own initial conservation? It would have totally thrown us for a loop, but presented us with at least a new branch off the multiverse tree into a what-if aspect. That's true. Uh, speaking of different what if aspects, uh, of course, my favorite place in the multiverse is, uh, you know, Earth 3, got to get your villain on, uh, where there was no Bruce Wayne. Thomas Wayne Jr. was the Owl Man, uh, which leads me to believe that in that universe, if there was uh, a Damien allegory, I think it would be Damien Wilson, the son of Talia Al Ghul and Wade Wil- or, uh, Slade Wilson. That would be pretty cool. I wouldn't mind saying that. Yeah, see, so yeah, we're, we're just throwing ideas out there for up on. Give them. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah, Damien finds out where the base is. It's an old oil rig owned by his grandfather. Uh, so he's going to swim the 50 miles out there. And uh, some people thought he wouldn't do it. And it's uh, dick snarkiness. Oh. Uh, of course, once we get there, Slade starts, uh, you know, uh, he loves himself a good slide down a shaft. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's the- something about, yeah, there's something about shaft and dick in the Batman universe that just doesn't, you know, rub well. And once he gets down there. This is the last drop on this episode, I promise. This ain't even funny anymore. No, whatever's going on is just absolute silliness. After this, we'll both have to make sure our apps are updated. And I heard some sirens in your background there. Maybe uh, the five O's out there scrambling cell signals on us. Well, that could be the case. Um, there is a there is a fairly decent amount of uh, neighbor like neighborly watch going on uh, from uh, the police here, which is pretty cool. Um, everything seems to be running smoothly, and nothing's all clogging up and everything. But they always uh, seem to be looking around this area for something. So to uh, it makes me wonder. Nothing better. All right. So uh, once uh, Slade Wilson gets uh, down his elevator, we see some sharks. And the first thing that I wrote down is, welcome to my underground lair. <laughs> I hadn't even thought to begin to think Austin Powers for that second there. That is just fantastic. <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah, they are they are deep underwater for sure, though. And you know the story kind of moves along pretty quickly from there. Uh, we see Dick has the bat plane, so Bruce kind of materializes out of nowhere. Yep, yeah, that uh, Dick turns out to not be the only one in the bat plane. No, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but you know, they get down to the Lazarus pit to find out that's what they're pumping out. Yeah. Uh, some, some Damien versus Deathstroke action. 
Uh, yeah, once finally being able to run into him, he had a bit of an escape issue uh, against a couple of guards, but he got where he was going. But uh, yeah, they end up uh, just leaning right on into a fantastic uh, action scene between the two down there. I thought uh, those two going against each other in a sword fight was just masterful. that they kill off Deathstroke, spoiler alert, uh, in just a couple of scenes. Uh, because, of course, we do see the Titans come back in the- with Damien as a, a new member. It would have been nice to be able to tie all that together one day. Uh, alas, it's not to be. Oh, listen, uh, yeah, Deathstroke's alive during the, what do you call it, the Judas contract, isn't he? Oh, that's right. So, who knows how he survived drowning in this building? He probably, if he did die, he maybe died with some Lazarus water in his system. Uh, Let's hope. Uh, Because things went tits up once Batman shows up. Uh, Hits some Sonics around. That way all the ninja, ninja bats would fly up and essentially clog themselves, breaking the tube and because flooding the base. Which is a, a pretty pretty smart deal there, um, considering that if you apply that much amount uh, that much pressure into it, then the entire complex is bound to cave. Um, whatever's inside of it, at the very least. So, lost Lazarus water, uh, lost soldiers, and just lost project altogether. Really. And then all the man bats start flying up out into the sky, and it looks like they're going to escape, but in comes uh, Dick Grayson, and he's got uh, Kirk Langstrom in the Han Solo gunner seat. Oh, snap. He's doing the whole uh, shooting the antidote all over the place with surprisingly good aim in uh, a vehicle compartment he's had no training in before. You got to think it's on autopilot and Dick's just letting him think he's doing it. <laughs> Look at him. He's such a big boy. <laughs> now, as these man bats are escaping, we see a shark, a giant great white, take a bite out of a couple of them. Uh, obviously, this plane's not going to hold 30 people. So how do all these uh, men and women that were flying to safety that are now stuck in the middle of the ocean, 50 miles from the coast of land. How do they get saved? Yeah, where's their animated feature? Because they're definitely dead now. Introducing Randy and the killer whale. There's no Randy. He was eaten. The end. So, uh, you know, that, that speaks enough about Batman's code of we don't kill that he was trying to instill in Damien this entire time. Yeah, the whole uh, justice, not vengeance thing. Yeah, they, they killed a bunch of motherfuckers in this. Oh, they did. There was, there was a many a motherfucker. Uh, we then get that nice little scene where Damien is almost given the choice on who he wants to stay with. His mother can see it in his eyes that he really wants to stay, and even Bruce says it's better if he stays with me, the Robin stays with Batman. But uh, Talia's still, you know, wanting to go headstrong, believing that the League of Assassins is still uh, a power well enough to keep Damien safe. 
despite how much shambles they've been brought to. So Talia eventually gets over this and decides that until she's ready uh, and until she's able to take Damien back under her wing to fill his rightful role, as she would put it, that he would be safest and would learn most from uh, probably the most powerful non-metahuman in the known DC universe. And then we get that nice little callback where Damien says that he wants to drive home. <laughs> and he's doing the whole no thing. You, you don't touch, you're still not going to touch any of the bad stuff, Damien. You're backgrounded. And that is the film. There was uh, no post credit scene on this one. No, um, though, I don't know if uh, you've seen it throughout the credits. Uh, there was like just a brief slideshow of, uh, the process um, of what we did actually see, or even some aspects we didn't see between Damien versus Nightwing. Yeah, it was cool to see some of the animated stills that they have out there. Uh, I do highly recommend uh, popping online and checking out that Nightwing versus Damien short. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd love to do that. Uh, Sean, where did you find that when you looked it, it up? On it's on YouTube. Oh, outstanding. Versus you type in Damien versus Nightwing and it'll pop up for you. Fantastic. But uh, yeah, that pretty much ends uh, that film from there, which it wasn't too far off from so. its uh, comic book rendition. But uh, in case, uh, for those who are actually asking about it, because back at the beginning of the film, there was um, a man in white that was gunned down um, during... Damien's little viewing of what it is he would be inheriting. And uh, the name of that man is uh, the only son of Ra's al Ghul, uh, Dusan al Ghul. Um, and he has an Arabic name, uh, Ashaba al Abiyad, and it apparently refers to him in Arabic as the White Ghost. Um, he was uh, born out of a union based on uh, position to conquer a now extinct people. Um, part of me believes that that would be the Neanderthals that were. Uh, mentioned in the uh, comic book arc uh, Batman Odyssey and uh, so with him being of uh, Al Ghul blood would make him a prime you know candidate to inherit the spirit of the demon's head so when the mortal body would uh, you know finish its usefulness they could then forgo a ceremony that will put Ra's Al Ghul into a different body Kind of like how Brainiac can do his thing going into different bodies, but instead it's a like magic style rituals instead of just machines and shit. Uh, I believe it. Dope. That, would, that would also feed into the uh, the feud that the Al Ghuls have with one Vandal Savage, who is said to be the one that started the war against the Neanderthals. Oh man, that would um, be like Vandal said. That would mean like Vandal Savage adventures at the center of the earth, and that would be just fantastic to see Vandal Savage in like an environment like Scar Terrace. Again, DC, we're just throwing ideas at you. Come on. So, Mai's overall thoughts on this week's film. Uh, I enjoyed it now, just as I did then. Uh, it was, uh, you know, action-packed. It had a good storytelling for a basic introduction into the aspect of, of introducing Damien as Robin and uh, bringing him into the Bat family in general in reference to uh, this version of the animated universe. So I still thoroughly uh, enjoy the movie through and through, um, despite, like, just its minor differences from the comics. Perfect. Little one, do you have any thoughts on the film overall? 
Um, no, the jackass, but other than that, no. <laughs> Just that Damien's a jackass. Oh, absolutely. He is DC's greatest jackass, and uh, he ties uh, first and second for that between Damien and Lobo. And what's great is we will actually get to see Damien grow as a character as films develop. Uh, he is one of the few threads that actually does start to pay off as we go. Definitely. Uh, if, you, uh, if you had to like uh, see additional like League of Assassin related faces uh, in the film, like uh, which character faces would you think would be like a good inclusion just to really bring up the attention of uh, the usual DC fan? You know, we got to remember this film was released in 2014. So what was casual then? Like what's casual now wouldn't be as casual then. Uh, I could bring up someone like Komodo. Yeah. As could, being a good candidate. Yeah, you could bring up Komodo. Because, you know, I'm, Komodo then wasn't as well known as he is now because he had his run on Arrow. That is true. And uh, Komodo would have been a great addition Um to like just seeing him in that movie just in general it would pique people's interest going into the dc animated universe especially with all these creative twists and twirl uh, twists and turns that were i made mention of earlier on so um adding in a new face here and there or even an old familiar face uh, would be a great way just to get the casual fan up and going and saying hey that's a character i haven't heard of in a while people heard of bronze tiger in a while not recently up until the animated features that started re- uh, started releasing in the past decade. Yeah, I, I liked how uh, uh, Udo had the bronze tiger claws stashed in his apartment earlier on when he fought Damien. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a nice little tease to that. So, of course, next week's film, we will be watching Justice League Throne of Atlantis. Uh, we jump into where Justice League War had ended, where uh, we happen to see the throwdown and origin uh, between royalty and, Atlant- uh, and Atlantis. Uh, the introduction of Orm, the, o- the Ocean Master, uh, Arthur Curry accepting his birthright, going through all that jazz, you know, it's a separate tale from what should have been included in the, the first movie. I'm also going to try squeeze in a viewing of uh, the Jason Momoa Aquaman just as a little comparison, because some of the story beats are the same. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it's still a fun movie either way. And, you know, hey, Night Owl is the Ocean Master? Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so until then, man, is there anything else on your mind for the week? Um, still, we're all, uh, you know, thinking about the movie stuff, you know. And if there were any alternative changes to, like, voice actors, um, like, who would we have rather heard behind certain characters? Um, anything else? Like, just seeing, you know, well-renowned assassin names in the DC Universe in the League of Assassins, you know. You'd include people like uh, Merlin, just for kicks. Uh, you could use Lady Shiva. Uh, Katana, just for warrior reference, I guess. And... Uh, yeah, you know, that kind of thing, really. Mine's just floating about for this movie. Well, I know Lady Shiva does make an appearance later on in the universe. Oh, well, there you go. Um, any reason why they couldn't use Nisa either? Uh, probably just no need to put her in with the scene. 
Uh, she wasn't as prevalent at the time with it being 2014. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that works. So until then, my friend... Uh, I guess I will catch you at the same pod time. The same pod channel. Be safe, my friends.